0: So what if your parents didn't have a great marriage? Or maybe other folks who served as role models in your life hadn't modeled healthy, thriving marriage. Are you hooped? Or is there hope? Let's figure it out today.
1: Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for.
0: And now, here are your hosts... Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey everybody, this is episode number 64, and we're going to be talking about role models. Prompted by a note from a young family just asking, what if we didn't have great role models, then what?
1: I think this is a really common experience. I do too, yeah. You know, like even us, you know, right now we're trying to be the best we can for our kids. Yep. Or the best couple we can be. But uh, for our kids watching us, you know, there's going to be some things that they like Mm -hmm. and that they might adopt from our relationship, but I'm sure that there's other things that they're not going to want to carry forward. Right. So even if you had good role models. Right. It's not all good.
0: No. So we all, and that's the thing is we all face this, but I think to varying degrees. Yeah. So, you know, we, we can acknowledge that there are some folks that have a really, really poor role models. Yeah. Really poor. And so they're trying to build a marriage now, both with that background, and they're saying, like, how do
1: how do we do this?
0: Yeah, we got no framework. Yeah. Okay. So if this is you, you're not alone. Be encouraged, and we hope that what you hear today will continue to encourage you as well. Before we jump in, we have another great iTunes review from Katie Andrew, which says, Such a great reminder. Love the honest advice and feedback. Thanks, Katie Andrew. We really appreciate you taking the time to leave us a review. It's awesome. Yeah, that's nice. So I think the first thing I want to point out on this role models thing is that all role models, and you may not want to hear this, but all role models are actually useful, good and bad. Okay. We all think positive ones are, but negative ones can be as well. So what the research shows about human behavior is that when we want to add positive beneficial activities to our lives, we look for positive role models. Makes sense? Yep. Right? For example, you know, if I want to work out more often, I'll choose a fit person that I know as a role model Okay. In my mind, right? Yeah. On the other hand, if I have unhelpful behaviors that I want to get rid of, such as overeating, I might consider a very obese person as a role model. Okay. So that's a useful negative role model because I'm saying, okay, I never want to be like that. Right. Right.
1: So that's kind of like the same goal, but different aspects of it.
0: Right. One is something that you want to do and one is a role model that you don't want to do. Yeah. And this is normal human behavior. And the point is just that both are useful. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we use these positive role models to help us engage in beneficial activities and we use negative role models to sustain our motivation to refrain from negative activities. Okay. Which, you know, makes sense when you stop thinking think about it, right? So I just wanted to use that to highlight the point that role models, the role models that we did have are going to be useful either as something we want to imitate or avoid or mm-hmm. po- most likely a mixture of both. Okay. Because... Role models are very rarely all bad or all good. Right. So we want to be selective and wise and put things in the right buckets. It's really about kind of taking the good and leaving the bad, or as I say sometimes, eating the meat and spitting out the bones.
1: Right. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: Now, one more caveat I wanted to throw in here just to be aware of, and I wasn't aware of until I came to the research for this episode, was cultural differences. So despite our crazy last name, we're middle-class white folk and classified as European Canadians. Mm-hmm. And for our cultural background, it's typical that we are far more inspired and motivated by positive role models who highlight a strategy of pursuing success. So, that's just our culture. Yeah, that's our culture. Our culture right? That's what's okay. typical for our culture. But what's interesting is if you look at more collectivistic cultures, such as Asian Canadian, they're more motivated by negative role models with a strategy to avoid failure. So, you, you know, you don't want to be like so-and-so because look at how that went for them. It went really bad. So they're more likely to motivate themselves that way. Yeah. Right? So your cultural background is going to impact how much value or importance you place on each type of role model, positive or negative. Just hmm, be aware of interesting. that. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I thought, let's switch gears a little bit, look at root causes, like how early role models impact our ability to relate today. Okay. Going back to early childhood, you know, something I really value is what's called attachment theory. And the basic tenet of attachment theory is that the accessibility and responsiveness of a trusted other, usually a parent, Mm -hmm. leads to greater social and emotional adjustment at any age.
1: So the more attached you were as a child? The
0: healthier the attachment was. Healthier the attachment, okay. The better our social and emotional adjustment. In other words, the higher the quality with which we were loved as children, Mm -hmm. the more ability we have to love in a healthy way. Our spouse, my spouse.
1: Okay. Okay. Yep.
0: So it explains how our our ability to relate as adults is really informed by the caregiving that we received as children. And the good news there though, is that attachment can improve in the context of a secure relationship. So even if you didn't have that from parents, this can change in adults. It's not not fixed for life. No. So we can be that trusted other to our spouse and be that person that they can turn to that's safe, that knows how to relate to them well. Yep. These things can be learned. So when I think about that in the context of trust and safety and those types of things, it tells me that the first part of this idea of role models and how we're going to start adjusting is to really think about creating safety within the marriage that you have today. So thinking about that on the extreme other end of things where it's unsafe, this is why any kind of abuse is so damaging to a marriage because the fundamental principles or assumptions of an intimate emotional bond... Those are based on safety and security. Okay. Right. I'm going to be vulnerable, open, intimate with you if I feel safe and secure. Right. Okay. Right. With abuse, though, that whole principle of safety is completely violated. It's gone. It's abandoned.
1: Okay.
0: What am I not making sense about? Or you don't see where I'm going yet?
1: I don't see where you're going yet. Okay. Well, hang tight and
0: then you can reel me in if I get too far out in orbit. Okay. So more than this, though, as a couple, you want to learn to be safe with each other just on the level that you make it a shared value to respect each other. Start there. So if you didn't have good role models, you could still start this in your marriage, that you're committed to respecting each other. You want to avoid name-calling. You want to avoid barbed comments. Avoid teasing that is sprinkled with sarcastic truth. You know, avoid any forms of criticism and especially avoid contempt. Hmm. So agree to create a culture within your marriage where safety is a fundamental inviolable principle that you're both committed to. So if you didn't have good role models, make that covenant with each other that you're committed to making them your marriage safe.
1: A safe place. Hmm.
0: Doesn't mean you're never going to fight. That's still going to happen. But if you do fight and if things come out that you didn't want to come out, you're going to repair. You're going to make that right. You're going to apologize. Okay. And rebuild that. So that you still always have, you both share this goal of creating safety.
1: Hmm. Okay. Makes sense.
0: So did I loop back on a the track there? I think so. All right. So... This is just one of the things like, again, to put it back in the big picture, if we didn't have good role models, part of that probably meant there wasn't safety in that parenting or in that marriage that you witnessed growing up.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And so I'm saying you can still create that safety and respect. Okay. Got it. So the second thing that I want to emphasize is listening to understand. We go into a lot more detail on this in episode 15, and we talk about that in depth there with specific strategies that you can implement. But the reason why I highlighted this listening to understand is that so much of the ways that we miss each other in our communications is that we react out of our own perceptions Mm -hmm. of reality without really being willing to open ourselves to see reality as our spouse does, to see it through her eyes or his eyes.
1: And if you're reacting in a way that your role model might have reacted, that wasn't a healthy place or that wasn't a healthy reaction.
0: Right. I'm guessing if you didn't have great role models, that probably one of the most common feature was they weren't listening to understand. They mm. were just yelling to be heard. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, in, in your marriage now, if you didn't have those healthy role models, this is a skill that you want to learn, to learn to stop, listen and understand. Yeah. Because most of the time at the core of what we really want, we just want to be understood because when we feel yeah. understood. We know that someone gets us and then we know that we're not alone in the world. Yeah. And we can receive empathy.
1: Mm, and then it's us.
0: Yes. So precious, right? Yeah. So your role models for marriage may have been really, really poor at listening, but this is a skill that you can learn and one that you can develop and bring to your marriage very quickly. So again, if you didn't have those good role models here, it's still something you can bring to the table as a new skill. And that's another part here that I really want to be clear about is just because you didn't see this or witness or, or weren't taught this or modeled this, it doesn't mean you're crippled. Mm. Like you're permanently injured and you can never develop this. You can do this.
1: So what I'm hearing then is that having poor role models does affect your marriage. Big influence. But not permanently. Like you can. Doesn't need to. You can recover and you can build these strengths and skills. Yes.
0: My message to my listeners, is, our listeners, is it's your choice. Yeah. You can change this. You don't have to accept this as your permanent reality.
1: Hmm. Okay. I think I'm getting it now.
0: So you can choose to live differently. Choose to create your own new, healthier ways of relating to one another. That's good. All good? Yep. So, and then I just, I have like four or five more practical ideas here, Verlinda, to help folks, if they haven't had good role models, how they can learn some of these good habits. Okay? Okay. And there's really kind of, you know, whatever, these are just five ideas. It's not all of the potential ideas that could be had for this topic. Yep. But the two core ideas are education and relationships. And you can educate yourself. You can get yourself into good relationships, right? You can do either, but together would be ideal. All righty. Some ideas. Number one, marriage mentoring. Typically available through your local church, either through formal systemized programs. Like some churches have like a proper program you can sign up for. You can find a couple, and usually an older couple, and you can go do this mentoring with them, okay? Yeah. Which is great. Um, If you go to a small church or that's not available, you could just, you know, you don't have to have a quote unquote program. Yeah. Just find an older couple there that you respect. Maybe their kids are turning out okay, so you think something must be going well for them. And ask them if you can meet with them as a couple for marriage mentoring. I'm thinking nobody's going to say no to that. Yeah. I'd be really doubt it, right? Yeah. So, you know, if they don't have any idea how to do that, though, Mm -hmm. just suggest getting like a book like Tim Keller's book, The Meaning of Marriage, and say, let's meet once a month, and we'll read the chapter, and we'll talk about it. And, uh, you know, if we can meet at your place and we'll bring cheesecake or whatever. Yeah. Right. So the cost of two bucks to do that, one for them and one for you guys is about 30 bucks and boom, you're all set. I think Mm -hmm. it's a great way to get into some mentoring that can give you good role modeling. Right. Okay. Right. You know, upscaling that, get coaching or counseling direct directly, right? If that's within your price range, ask the counselor to help coach you through communicating about difficult subjects. Mm -hmm. So you can learn, you can have somebody sort of training you to do this together.
1: Right. Is another it might way to do speed this. Up process,
0: yeah. Them. And I offer the service. It's a great way for couples to learn new ways of relating to each other over issues that they've disagreed about
1: mm-hmm.
0: and been stuck on. Right. So make sure you check out onlyyouforever.com and just click on the coaching link there if you're interested in that. And you know, even if you don't feel like there's specific hot button issues that you need to deal with, you can actually do the equivalent of premarital coaching after you get married. Okay. I was going to call it post-marital coaching, but it doesn't sound right. (laughs) No, it doesn't. Never does. Like post-wedding coaching, maybe. But it's just a systemized approach that allows you to identify the growth areas in your marriage with a counselor and go through them in a structured way that helps you to discuss these issues profitably, you know, in a useful way. Yeah. So that there's a good outcome. And it gives you deeper insight and understanding into yourselves, helps you learn about each other, helps you learn about yourself. And then while you're doing that, the counselor helps you to model your own healthy ways of interacting around these growth areas. Okay. So again, this is a service I offer. Would this
1: not be marriage coaching?
0: It is. Yep. Oh, okay. Why?
1: Well, I'm just wondering why it's so hard to come up with a name for it. Well,
0: sometimes it's, okay, so here's here's the thing, right? You know, strictly speaking, marriage coaching or marriage counseling is an open-ended affair where it's like you identify some problems or goals, depending on which route you're taking, and you work towards that.
1: Okay.
0: But, you know, I think there's sometimes there's folks, they want to lift their marriage.
1: Yeah.
0: And they don't don't feel like there's any particular pain points.
1: Okay. They don't know what they need to work on yet. Yeah.
0: What I'm saying is you have an assessment here. You fill out all these questions. It says, okay, here's some stuff you guys probably need to talk about more.
1: Mm Okay. Right?
0: So it gives you a strategy if you feel like you need one. Okay. You know, and on the very straightforward end of things in terms of, you know, not having good role models, looking for solutions, don't forget that reading books is a great option. Mm Mm-hmm. I pretty much recommend anything by Dr. John Gottman. Books like The Relationship Cure or The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. They're super useful. Check out as well Hold Me Tight by Sue Johnson and also Keller's book that I mentioned earlier on the meaning of marriage. Alrighty. And of course, you can also learn by digesting good marriage content like what you get in this podcast. Hmm. Or if a marriage speaker comes to a church near you, make sure you attend. Don't miss out on an opportunity to 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 get a conference on marriage or a retreat if they're available in your area. So all of these things are good ways to fill in the gaps left behind by poor role models.
1: Yeah. So some of them are education. Some of them are relationships. Yep. Gotcha.
0: And I hope that the message that's coming through here is, again, it's just the idea that you're not crippled. Right. And but i Sorry to have yourself. to use that word. But yeah, help yourself. You can do stuff about this. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So when I was thinking about this too, a Bible passage came to mind. And I was thinking of the kings whose lives are recorded in the Old Testament
1: mm-hmm. in
0: the Bible. And you'd have three or four generations that would make really bad choices one after the other. Yeah. Right? And then all of a sudden you'd have someone like this young King Josiah. He became a king at the age of eight. And I don't know exactly what his pivot point was where he changed or decided that he yep. was going to stop the, the bleeding. But it's interesting to look at how he abandoned some really, really negative role models. Okay, So it says in Second Chronicles 34, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. He reigned in Jerusalem one and 30 years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David, his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. Mm-hmm. So he did what was right. He chose the better path, right? Now- Unlike his forefathers. Yes, and that's the point here, right? Is he led that balanced life. He didn't go way off into left field. He didn't go off into right field. He totally, if you read the full story, he completely obliterated the idolatry of his forefathers. Mm -hmm. A little further down that same chapter, it says that he repaired the house of the Lord. And then further down the chapter, it says he made a covenant before the Lord. And the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart, with all his soul, to perform the words of the covenant, which are written in this book. And this is on the back of role models that were like as far as sacrificing children. Like they right. were so far gone. Yeah. Right. And just brutal, bloodletting, evil people. Yeah. Okay. And so at and the he end, he changed. He changed. Right. And the impact was he eradicated all the problems of the former generations and he grounded his own personal life and mission on the things of God. And it says about the nation that all his days, They departed not from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. So he completely reversed the impact of generations of poor role models. And he did that actually on a national scale. Profoundly. Wow. Yeah. So think of the potential though for our lives of just doing this for our own marriage, for our own children. Right. And maybe there's things that have been going from generation to generation. They need to stop and you're the person.
1: Yeah. And then think of how you could be the role model for the next generation.
0: Yes. You can be the pivot point. Yeah. The change. Yeah. And to do that, you really can have to sort of attend to yourself. This is about self-care and care for your own marriage, mm. right? And it reminds me of 1 Timothy four sixteen, where it says, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine and continue in them for in doing this, you will both save yourself and those that hear you.
1: Mm. That's good.
0: Oh, good? Yeah. So I just wanted to encourage our listeners in facing the realities of role models you have had, if they were not what they needed to be, you can be the person who, with help from God, breaks a generational pattern of neglect or poor or broken marriages or if children loved inadequately and brings something new, more powerful, and healthy to your marriages and to your children and to your children's children.
1: Yeah, that's powerful.
0: Amen. Okay, so next week we're going to talk about how to rebuild trust in your marriage after it has been broken.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Super relevant topic, especially if you've been through the tragedy of a sexual betrayal, Be that an affair or discovery that your spouse has a pornography addiction or maybe your spouse just blew some money you've been saving up and that really hurt. Whatever it might be, we're going to be focusing on this one point of rebuilding trust.
1: Oh, that should be good. Well, that's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 64. There's a lot of book details and stuff in that, so you'll want to go to those show notes. Again, oif.link slash 64. And remember, we're here to help build thriving, passionate marriages. And we can only do that if we have people who are listening to our podcast and reading our blog. So I'd love for you to help us with that. So please leave us a review in iTunes today. Yes, they're encouraging to us, and that is important. But even better is that when you leave a review in iTunes, it raises the visibility of our podcast in iTunes when folks are searching for a good marriage podcast to listen to. Uh So that helps us reach a wider audience and influence more marriages for good and for the glory of God. So if you haven't left us a review, please leave us one today. If you want instructions how to do that in iTunes, just open your browser and go to oif.link review and there's instructions there. Once again, the short link is oyflink review. Thanks for doing that and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at only slash love. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week.